0: official hello i'm andrew gentile and And i'm ariana (laughs) and i'm behind the flicks (laughs) should we start over and you're listening to behind the flicks this show is all about me sharing as many facts as i know about filmmaking and directors and behind the scenes info about movies and whatnot to ariana and you'll join us for the ride we on the podcast are very grateful to be joined by two special guests. Garrett McDade. Speak. Hi, I'm Garrett McDade. And Max Hurley.
1: Hi, I'm Max Hurley.
0: Welcome Guys, to... I hate
2: to be that guy, but... Could we start over one more time?
0: Hello, I'm and Andrew...
3: Andrew... Sorry, go ahead.
0: <sighs> Hello, I'm Andrew Gentile.
3: And I'm Ariana.
0: And you're listening to Behind the Flicks. This show is all about me sharing as many facts as I know about filmmaking and directors and behind-the-scenes info about movies and whatnot to Ariana, and you'll join us for the ride. Once again, we on the podcast are very grateful to be joined by two special guests, Garrett McDade. Hi, I'm Garrett. Max Hurley. I am Max. Gentlemen, it's it's wonderful to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Really is. It's great to be here.
1: Great, great to be here. Let me tell you, great to be here.
0: I love that enthusiasm, Max. I, Lots I of enthusiasm for Max. <laughs> All righty, Ariana. Can we get a review of this episode's film?
3: Ooh, this episode's film is the one and only Pulp Fiction, as was told me, was chosen by Mr. Uh, Garrett down there.
2: Gotta have my Tarantino.
3: Oh, man. I mean, he's so he's such a G. I... I didn't realize how young he was until I watched the movie and saw his uh, like little cameo character that he did. And I was a little floored because I'm used to seeing interviews of him like p- post Django and Unchained and he's he looks totally different. And so it's like it was really cool to realize that he's been making movies for as long as he's been making movies. Yeah. But anyways, off topic, Pulp Fiction is um, it is quite the ride. And it's I think I found this movie really, really hilarious. And, um, I finally understand all the Uma Thurman dancing jokes. And, uh, it's hard to describe. It seems to be about two, uh, hitmen slash muscle enforcers for an unknown criminal, uh, head honcho. And, uh, this other guy who's a boxer who he pays, who he attempts to, uh, who's played by Bruce Willis, who attempts to pay off his fight but he ends up winning and i I don't don't really i just have no idea how to describe this movie other than the fact that it's written amazingly and it's super hilarious and full of really awesome like action ridiculous scenes and half the things that happened i couldn't believe that they happened to these people
0: uh ariana i i i'm gonna correct you on one thing we do we do know who uh the mob boss is
3: I mean we know who he is but we don't really know what he does as a criminal mastermind
0: oh okay I see, I see what you mean alright
3: his like what he does is ambiguous oh he thing. makes his
0: money yeah right. okay fair enough and Ariana the big question yes what grade are you gonna give it
3: ooh oh you know as much as like I don't like movies that I walk away not understanding why I watch them which is kind of how I felt about this movie um, it was so much fun to watch I give it an easy B
2: easy b <laughs> what that... you're
3: giving it a b you're
2: yeah. giving there it a go. b <laughs> what ariana i think you're breaking a few film student laws by giving that movie a b it's
3: just because i'm you gotta understand i'm not a film student like i'm more simple more simplistic than that so like a sim- i've only watched this movie one time through and so as it was entertaining and i could follow the story but at the end of it i was like i was still trying to figure out what he was trying to say about everything and like the, I mean, the characters, it's so wonderfully acted, and that earns a crap ton of brownie points, but because I didn't leave it, like, totally understanding what was going on, which happens a lot when I watch Quentin Tarantino films, won't lie. um, it, that, that's what lost it a grade.
2: Right, I think I, I, I understand where you're coming from, especially, because, like, obviously Tarantino's known for his dialogue, right, and, uh, like that movie there's just so much that is just for the characters to be talking that uh you come away at the end like if you're not if you're not explicitly looking for the themes that are coming from the dialogue then you may be a bit confused as to what those themes are because like not all the dialogue is trying to push the plot forward as like you know some film uh you know gurus would say
3: yeah yeah should be done exactly I feel like it did give you a lot of insight into the characters, those um, that dialogue you're talking about, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but I still like. I feel like I gotta watch it like three more times to kind of understand t- what was trying to be said.
0: I'm sorry. I'm. So, I apologize for my initial reaction. <laughs> I'm trying to calm down. Sorry. Okay. I'm calm. All right. So. Too high sorry.
2: of a grade for you, huh, Andrew? <laughs>
0: The B-score. is a little too high for you, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I don't even have to retort to that. This is an A-plus for me. Um, so, Garrett, uh, when you and I initially talked, um, you initially wanted to do Django Unchained, but there just isn't as, as much written about it as, as there is about Pulp Fiction, so it would make my job easier to do Pulp Fiction. So why did why in your opinion did we choose Pulp Fiction for this episode?
2: Well, it is uh I think the cultural impact is obvious from watching it because you, you you've everybody's seen these snippets from the movie, but like, not until you actually seen it do you know what the context for each of the scenes are. I, I remember uh today when I, I uh I've seen the movie before, but like such a long time ago. The freaking John Travolta being confused in the room, you know, with his I don't know. You guys have seen the GIF yeah, the, before. The, the GIF, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, I think uh, Pulp Fiction, it is a cult movie. And for that reason, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I, th- I don't think people know enough about like the behind the scenes of that movie. And I certainly don't. So I'd love to hear what you have to say today.
0: Before we do that, uh, can we talk about uh, when we first saw the film? I, you know, the first time
1: that I saw Pulp Fiction, I think, was sophomore year of high school and uh, this was actually I had already seen like Django Unchained and then Glorious Bastards before it so I don't know I I really didn't know what to expect going in um, because I had heard like oh it's like the greatest thing greatest movie of all time you know whatever and obviously the cultural impact even I knew about it then Um, and so I I watched it and I'm going to be honest the first time I watched it I kind of felt like Ariana like I didn't really you know fully understand everything and i was kind of left like i i was enjoyable but you know um the subsequent times uh when i watched it though i uh i i definitely appreciated it more so um yeah it was, it was in high school when i saw it and uh how about you garrett when, when when did you first see uh pulp fiction
2: it had to be high school of course um i think just the exposure to that first level of uh film students in our video production class probably pushed me toward uh finally seeing it um i think i enjoyed it then and i I enjoyed it more now um but what about you ariana uh
3: let me see i believe it was a wednesday last wednesday (laughs) sitting in my living room renting it (laughs) and i watched it over the course of like two sessions and um yeah for this podcast and it was a lot of fun like I've seen the clips before like I mentioned uh, you know pre-recording to everybody else that I, I'd i seen the two diner scenes but the first, like first scene where they're just the, the guy and the girl girlfriend are just talking about robbing a restaurant why it's a good idea and then the end scene with Samuel Jackson's speech were the only clips I'd seen of the movie with the exception of the gifts and, and I had no idea what it was about or what was going on and uh, just the fact that it was Quentin Tarantino.
0: <laughs> can, can I just say, I really like your comedic uh, buildup that you had. Well, I first saw it on a Wednesday, last Wednesday. <laughs> that, was, that was great. Thank you.
3: You're welcome. I'm working on it. I'm learning from you guys.
0: <laughs> well, I, I first saw it. Uh, th- there was this channel called IFC channel on cable. Um, and my, and I, I kept begging my parents to let me see it. But I was in like, I think I was like junior high. Um, And I was like, I loved Kill Bill. Can I please see Pulp Fiction? And my my mom was like, no, there's a terrible basement scene in it. That's really disturbing. And I don't want you to see that. And I said, please, can I see it? And she says, okay, you can see it with your dad, but you have to walk out during the basement scene, then come back in the room. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll just get, but but then I, you really only get a taste of Pulp Fiction if you don't see the whole thing. But she let you see Kill Bill.
2: Yeah. That movie has like a a trillion deaths, while this movie probably has three.
3: Well, it wasn't her object. Her her, the objection was not deaths.
2: The objective, yeah, yeah, yeah. It
3: was something else. So it's a. Well, she's trying
2: to kill Bill. The
0: objective is death.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's be honest.
0: (laughs) Hey man, I didn't make the rules of my household. You know.
3: (laughs) Did and did you end up walking out during the scene?
0: I had to. I had yeah. no choice. But then, you know, a, like a year later, I finally got the Blu-ray. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen worse stuff than this on the internet. Should we dive right in? Let's dive in. Yes,
3: please. I'm so excited to know what the heck is going on behind this movie.
0: Despite the fact that Quentin Tarantino's directorial debut, Reservoir Dogs, underwhelmed at the box office, it was still a hit with critics and proved that change was coming in independent filmmaking. In my humble opinion, this change could be more readily described as grenade, which exploded the way we think about cinema forever. 1994's Pulp Fiction. Ariana, Max, Garrett. Let's talk about some facts regarding Pulp Fiction. Quentin Tarantino originally, originally developed his second film with a company called TriStar, who funded the script during its early stages. When it came time for Tarantino to meet with the TriStar executives, they had read the script but thought it was, in the director's words, dark and harrowing and too demented TriStar executives would only agree to fund the film if Tarantino made script changes Tarantino refused TriStar turned down the project and Tarantino's producer Lawrence Bender brought the project to Miramax's head of production Harvey Weinstein the head of production was a guy by the name of Richard Gladstein Gladstein flipped out over the script and immediately brought to his boss Harvey Weinstein Oh, Uh-oh. <laughs> now we do have to address the elephant in the room um well i wouldn't call him that fat <laughs> i mean i mean you could confuse the two um <laughs> that's true unfortunately this horrible man does Savage. have a place I'm trying to tread lightly guys Unfortunately, this horrible man does have a place in film history, having been one of the most influential producers in all of Hollywood. We have to acknowledge that, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. It's, it's more than unfortunate. It's tragic what happened. But at the same time, he did have a place. And even if it's now relegated to a footnote. So, um, Weinstein had had recent success with such films as The Crying Game and The Piano. Furthermore, he had released Reservoir Dogs in theaters and was a Tarantino supporter. So, when Gladstein brought the script to Weinstein and told him to read it right away, Weinstein did. After Weinstein read the first 20 pages of Pulp Fiction on a plane ride, he landed and called Gladstein. He, w- he was immediately enthusiastic about the project. After he finished reading the script, Weinstein co- told Gladstein, quote, Fuck it. We have to make this movie. It's unbelievable. God. Buy the script. I'm making the movie. <laughs> horrible awful degenerate human being in terms of movies he had great taste <laughs>
3: yeah true on both accounts
2: yeah yeah correct me if i'm wrong uh i think this movie like probably part, part of the reason why it got picked up so fast is because it was like in made during a time where like indie films were getting like uh greenlit that wouldn't they wouldn't usually get greenlit before but like uh studios were kind of looking for like uh Indie films that would kind of break the mold.
0: Yeah, from the '60s to the uh, early '80s, uh, directors had like a lot of power in Hollywood. Um, until such movies as like Michael Chingio's Heaven's Gate, where which went like, like more than like ten times its budget or something, something ridiculous. Yeah, bankrupted United Artists. It bankrupted United Artists, and also uh, John Landis' segment on the Twi- Twilight Zone movie. Where people died, then people, the, the studios were like, first of all, we're we're taking no, you, we're taking the movies away from you, all of you. Second of all, we're making act, big budget action movies now." You know, there are films in between uh, that had director control, uh, like David Lynch movies and uh, stuff like that. But by the late '80s, people had gotten uh, really like audiences had been like, "All right, we get it," you know we. We're, we're kind of done with these kind of movies. Stuff that felt more handmade became fashionable. So yes, you are correct, Garrett.
3: I think it's kind of cool how Quentin Tarantino kind of started in the. I mean, he still is obviously because he he has so much um, control of the movies he makes. So he's, I would still consider him an independent filmmaker. But like, it's cool that that's kind of where he got his beginning because he's so big time block not blockbuster in terms of generic, but in terms of popularity. Now. Right. You know, he's so mainstream that it's, like, cool to know that he started, like, grassroots like that. It's cool.
0: For one of the stories in Pulp Fiction, Tarantino had a co-writer. That co-writer, Roger Avery, and Tarantino met when they were working at a video store. They would write together and pass movie ideas back and forth. In fact, based off of Tarantino's critical success with The Reservoir Dogs, he was able to help Avery get his directorial debut off the ground that film was called Killing Zoe. Then when it came time to do Pulp Fiction, Tarantino asked Avery if he could use his story which at that point was called Pandemonium Reigns, which was about a boxer who refuses to throw a fight. Ooh. Avery gave Tarantino the go ahead. As a side note, Tarantino added the Gold Watch speech with Christopher Walken. By the way, can I, can we just stop for a second? The Gold Watch speech. Come on, that's that's <laughs> great.
3: That's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, it was so good.
2: Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine uh, what it'd be like in somebody else's hands. I mean, Christopher Walken is just, he's priceless. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I've never seen, I mean, not off the top of my head, anyways, an actor that has so much, like, dramatic ability, but, like, just sinks right into the comedy, like, so effortlessly (laughs) in between.
2: Yeah, the way he says stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Your father is, give me this watch. We we're in a POW camp. Why do I talk like this? Uh, I lost it there. <laughs> no, 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 that was fun. It was fun. pretty good. It's that hard was... to Especially capture Walken's him.
3: Almost impossible. So that's really that was pretty good.
2: Yeah, he's. You know, some people can do just spot on. Uh, I can't think of the the Nathan Drake actor. He just does one that's perfect. I don't understand.
0: Right. Then, Tarantino decided that he wanted solo screenplay credit. Avery at first refused to give up his right to the co-writing credit. Tarantino was incensed and argued with Avery, but due to the fact that Avery was in debt because of killing Zoe, and Tarantino promised good compensation, Avery relented. Instead, he accepted a story by credit, which he shared with Tarantino. Uh, so that you know, that's that. You know, I'm sure there are like two sides to every story, but you know, that's uh, it's peculiar
3: so he's not credited as a a screenwriter but he's credited as a story like developer
0: yeah which is considered in hollywood you know a lesser credit i keep i just watched the movie like
2: a couple hours ago i mean I, i finished it at like five and i forgot most i mean obviously i remember the characters just really vividly but the names i can't recall any except butch and maybe mia can you guys remember even, even the names? It's it's really hard. Marcellus
0: Wallace, Vincent Vega, Jules, uh, 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 Winston Wolfe. Uh, yeah, it's
2: so weird how you can't recall the names. It's really odd.
0: <laughs> <laughs> two of Tarantino's... Seriously? Uh, two? <laughs> oh, that's our Garrett. Two of Tarantino's lifelong heroes were film critic Pauline Kael and filmmaker Brian De Palma. Both praised oh. actor John Travolta who had starred in the popular TV show Welcome Back Cotter and Box Office Smash, Saturday Night Fever. However, that was back in the 70s. By the 90s, after a string of box office failures, including the De Palma film Blowout, which I think is brilliant, uh, Travolta was considered a has-been. And And a Scientologist.
2: Oh, that was before. Never mind. Uh, Well, I
0: mean... When did he become a Scientologist? That's yeah. Is Pulp Fiction pre-Scientology? I mean, for for Travolta. I actually don't know. That's I should know that. I'm sorry, guys. Ah, you're letting I'm us kidding. down. How dare you?
3: <laughs> Quick Google search: John Travolta became a Scientologist in 1975. So way oh. before.
0: Oh, Damn. God, I should have known that. I'm so sorry. I, I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry, You're audience. Welcome. Thank you, Ariana. Uh, uh, I should probably resign now. <laughs> after this next fact, after this next little section, I do want to talk about the actors in the movie.
3: Yes. Yeah, of course. They deserve it.
0: Other members of the cast included Uma Thurman, who was an up-and-comer due to her supporting role in Dangerous Liaisons, as well as Bruce Willis, whose career was on the rocks at that point. Despite having starred in Die Hard only five years prior, do you have a favorite character, guys? Each of
1: you. Uh, Ooh, wow.
2: I love Bruce Willis. Um, Butch is so dynamic. Like it's 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 you know in the scene where he gets mad at his uh, his French a wife, I forget her name. Like he goes from like super calm to just like really really angry about uh, about her forgetting his watch and then but it's i don't know it all feels like it's relatable and real like you know how much he cares You know he's not trying to you know attack her and and you still feel like they love each other after that it doesn't feel cartoonish at all um i just i really love uh and he's you know he's a bald king uh I love really, <laughs> you know i i I love he, he rocks that bald head. I gotta say. He's probably the best one, uh, minus uh, maybe, like, uh, The Rock or something. I don't know.
3: <laughs> he really does. He really does. Do you have, did you ever see him in Surrogates, by chance?
2: Yeah, I did. <laughs> I forgot he that existed. He has hair
3: momentarily in that movie, and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He's he like a wig He definitely
3: owns the bald head, especially in, in Pulp Fiction.
2: Yeah, I forgot that movie ever existed. <laughs> That's crazy you, you saw that.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Max surrogates? Any thoughts? Uh, oh, I <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: come on Andrew.
2: <laughs> Sci-fi
1: classic, you know, <laughs> defined our generation. Um, but you know, I think my favorite character is, is definitely the Gimp. You know, just such a brave performance and <laughs> right. I—I don't know. It's just so I can't. no no. My favorite character is Jules, without a doubt. I mean, come on. I'm sorry but he's just he's
2: perfect he's literally perfect it's travolta right no
3: jules is samuel jackson
0: oh is it samuel jackson i i, I love that he's gonna i are, out with the, I, I, I i are i love how prepared we all came for this podcast <laughs> um, i mean i i didn't know john travolta's background you didn't know who Samuel Jackson's character's name was. I mean, it's a whole, it's all a wash, you know? <laughs> it's oh, a wash.
1: <laughs> don't say that.
2: Come on.
0: Ariana? I oh, man. You know,
3: instinctively, I wanted to say Vincent Vega, John Travolta's character, because I love his speeches. And the one, um, I mean, his whole foot massage conversation was just, I loved it. I don't know why I loved it so much, but it was a good introduction to the kind of person he is. Right, and he did it so well. It's like you know, talking to his best friend about it. it was like I don't know. I just um, it made me fall in love with his character pretty instantaneously. Nice. And then I mean, but everyone is pretty awesome. I agree that Butch is like a really close second.
0: Right. Uh, if I could just throw mine in, uh, mine is Winston Wolf.
1: Ah. Uh-huh.
0: You know, it, it, I if for one line alone, uh, which is uh, there's a line. Which I like to quote to people who I trust, and I'm trusting the internet right now, where, uh, y- you know, you know uh, Winston Wolfe had instructed Jules and Vincent to clean up the car, and uh, Tar- then after they clean up the car, put the, put the uh, blankets down, um, uh, Tarantino says, this looks like a whole new car. And everybody's like give, high- patting themselves on the back and high-fiving, and then Winston Wolfe just, just says, let's not start sucking each other's dicks quite yet, gentlemen. <laughs> and you know I, I love quoting that line because it's like got let's not congratulate ourselves too soon <laughs> and it's also there's such still
3: a... there's still a body in the trunk guys yeah
0: and it's such a crude way to do it i love it um i mean it, it's it's so crude and uh my grandma should not listen to this this one and <laughs> <laughs> she'll un-
3: finally understand your sense of humor
0: <laughs>
1: right <laughs>
3: yeah. uh-oh who knows it's going to
0: come out of grandma's mouth now. <laughs> uh, let's move on. On the day of filming, Samuel Jackson's wig for his character had not yet been picked out. Tarantino wanted Jackson to wear an afro, but an assistant accidentally bought a, a jerry curl wig. Initially, Tarantino wanted the wig returned, but Jackson liked it and insisted on keeping it for the film.
3: I really, the whole time I was watching, I was wondering if that was his hair or not. Because I was like, I don't don't believe it is, but I don't actually know. It's not his hair. Not his hair.
0: Looks good on him.
3: He just liked rocking the jerry curl.
0: Exactly right. There are many pop culture references in and influences on Pulp Fiction. I I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Let's explore three of them. The scene where Uma Thurman and John Travolta's characters dance in Jackrabbit Slims. Was oh, the diner. The diner, yeah. That yeah, diner. of course. I mean, okay, c- total side tangent again. Don't we want that diner to exist? Uh. Yes. Yeah, and it does not exist.
2: <sighs> was that it shot on a stage? Existed.
0: It was shot on a stage, yeah.
2: Uh-huh.
0: I, w- yeah. I want to go there. Steve yeah. Buscemi is Benny Hill.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Give me all Wait. the food.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you were right. I
2: oh, I, th- I think you mean Buddy <laughs> Holly. <laughs> Oh, Buddy Holly. That's right. He's in the movie for like five minutes. Or no, no, five right. seconds.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine having such a great cast that you just cast Steve Buscemi in a movie that, where he's just there for like 20 seconds. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he steals
2: the scene, though, every time. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, what kind of food do you want? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
0: I'm Buddy. <laughs> Classic. So that scene in Jack Rabbit Slim's was influenced by a French film called Band of Outsiders. T- that's its title in English. And whose French name is Band Apart. In Band of Outsiders, three young criminals danced to music in a restaurant. Finally, enough, Tarantino's then-production company was named A Band Apart, a play on, play on the film's French title. Oh. Hmm. So, like, in the opening credits, right after Pulp Fiction, you see A Band Apart. Yeah, with the Reservoir Dogs logo. Exactly. Yeah. That's... That's the connection.
1: Andrew, do you know who directed uh, that film?
0: Jean Luc Godard.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. okay. That was a Godard film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I saw it too. It's, it's pretty good. Um, the second influence on Pulp Fiction that I like to discuss is Kiss Me Deadly, a film from the 50s. In that film, an important part of the plot is a briefcase whose contents glow but are never directly seen. What? And, and so, oh. it's, and so there's like there, – it's literally like a, something that's – like they never say exactly what it is in, the, in Kiss Me Deadly. But you know it's like something nuclear. as something to do with like nuclear power. Yeah. Or, or, it's, or it could be like a bomb or a nuclear atom. Something like that.
2: Oh, that's And right. whenever,
0: they, whenever they open it, they quickly shut it because they know it will kill everybody if they completely open it. I don't
2: know. Yeah, it gets opened at the end of the movie, right? In the beach house. That's right. It's so crazy. you've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, that's so Great bizarre. Great movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good Noir. Exactly. The third influence I'd like to discuss is a Martin Scorsese documentary called American Boy. In American Boy, a story is told about a woman who was overdosing and how she was given an adrenaline shot to the heart. This story was was lifted from American Boy and fictionalized in Pulp Fiction. That's a great scene right there. years ago by the way i'm sorry i didn't do this for this episode um but years ago i watched the trivia track you know on uh, the blu-ray where like they show text at the bottom of the screen for like okay here's trivia about this scene and that scene i did that years ago they really discussed like the film's editing style and the uh, camera work because if you notice it's all long takes and handheld during that scene like handheld shots then you get to the floor with uma thurman and it's just steady, and it's like slow shots, and then just wham, you know?
2: And she screams super loud. I had to turn it down. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Say something.
3: Yeah.
0: Something?
2: Uh, something? Oh, yeah, that's right. Something. <laughs> there were, all the dialogue in this movie is very memorable. It's yeah. like one-liners that just they, they
0: fit so well. This is just a total side tangent too. And the DVD bonus features, uh, Bruce, so Quentin Tarantino has like this camera, and he's just filming like behind the scenes with like this old video camera, like this digital video camera from like the '90s. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Willis points to it and says, "You know, some kid someday is going to make a really groovy movie with that camera. It's going to gross like a hundred million dollars, and it's going to change the world." And Tarantino's like, "Oh yeah, no doubt." And you know, 1999, the Blair Witch Project comes out, and you know,
3: <laughs> yeah. You know.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, no direct connection, but uh, but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like it was shot on the same types of cameras. Yeah, ironically, but *Pulp
2: Fiction* has a behind the scenes uh, whole thing, like its own movie,
0: right? Uh, it has like little short little segments on the Blu-ray. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, Tarantino is now an advocate for shooting on film. Like he's he he hates digital filmmaking, and he only shoots on film. Yeah. So it's kind of ironic that uh, he agreed with. In that uh, boss feature. Yeah. What do you guys think about Tarantino only shooting on film?
1: Uh, I actually saw an excellent video on YouTube. And it was um, basically a comparison between uh, when Tarantino was asked about sort of shooting on film versus shooting on digital. And when Roger Deakins, uh, a very talented director of photography, his opinion on shooting on film and when Tarantino sort of talks about film, he's he uses like so much hyperbole and there's so much vitriol there. He's saying like digital cinema is that it's the death of cinema or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Whereas Roger Deakins, on the other hand, he has a much more level headed. He's like, look, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter <laughs> whether or not you shoot on digital or film. It's like the image that you produce and how it looks and how it benefits the story. And so I tend to side with deacons on that one because, right. you know, and obviously if you're like a student or whatever, you know, you can't really afford to shoot on film, you know? And I think there's so many great digital cameras now. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's kind of bullshit.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I absolutely agree with that. It all depends on uh story. It all depends on what's appropriate for the mood of the film.
2: I mean, film is catch. I mean, digital is caught up to film and even surpassed it by this point. So I mean, if you're choosing film at this point, it's because of the character, not exactly because it's. Uh, I would. I think Tarantino's being a little uh, pretentious there. Yeah, not really pretentious, but you know, elitist. Oh yeah, of course. Of
0: course. Uh, y- y- you know, I haven't seen the film, but well, I I, I watched the trailer for Mank, um, <laughs> and as soon as I saw that trailer, I was like, okay, film, it's over. You know, because it, it's it's so because David Fincher, you know, he he's such a, a has such an attention to detail. The David Fincher, the director of make, uh, he has such an attention to detail that he like he, he won't settle until it looks just like film if he's trying to replicate film. Yeah. As, and so as soon as I saw that, I was like, right. As soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, right. Yeah, there's there's no excuse anymore for the scene in which the hillbillies rape Marcellus Wallace. Oh,
1: there we go. Tone
0: change. <laughs> <laughs> do you like? Do you, I, 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 I'm injecting this conversation with an adrenaline shot. Hopefully. Hey. Um, hey. Uh, Tarantino ended up using the song "Comanche" by The Revels. Originally for that scene, Tarantino wanted "My Sharona" by The Knack. Anybody know that song?
2: My, Sharona.
0: Copyright. Oh. Copyright. Uh-oh. Okay, so here we get to the the post production. Drama, if you will. Oh, spicy. After filming, Tarantino screened a cut of the film for a group of his director friends. The overall response was not enthusiastic. But there was one strong supporter of the film in that audience, future Oscar winner Catherine Bigelow, who would go on to direct The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty.
3: It's nice. I mean, all those other directors, who cares about them?
0: Right, exactly. Pretty much. Um, and by the way, Catherine Bigelow won against Tarantino for Zero Dark, for uh, her locker. Oh, uh,
3: against what?
0: Uh, Inglourious Bastards. Uh-huh. Tarantino has related a story about how one of his director friends, who he didn't name, so I have to refer to him as one of his director friends. One of his director friends was planning on having a serious talk and get tough with Tarantino about Pulp Fiction, but decided to do so after he got back from the Cannes Film Festival. Pulp Fiction won the top prize at the festival, and the director changed his mind. Oh. So, Hmm. it won the Palme d'Or, you know, which is probably the most prestigious uh, prize for a film festival in the world, so.
3: See, that makes me wonder if he just was, like, still felt the same and realized that, okay, well, I guess I... I'm just going to let it be because if people like the film, I'm not going to sit here and try to change it, you know? Because he said he had to, had to have a hard talking to with Quentin Tarantino. He, he was, was planning
0: that. on having a hard talking to.
3: Yeah. So, like, he saw that people liked it and was like, oh, okay, it, it's not worth the argument? Or did his opinion actually change?
0: Uh, what Tarantino claimed was that the direct that director called him and said, you know, I was going to talk to you, but what the hell do I know, apparently? <laughs> So yeah. I think that was this feeling from that guy. So he yeah. was pressured into liking Pulp Fiction. Uh, well, well, I, I think the point is, is that more like, like a lot he- of us. <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Yes. I won't do that to this movie. Shut up, Max. <laughs> look at Andrew. Look what you did. <laughs> um, so listen. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No. Uh, oh. It's over. Uh, no. But no no to actually answer the question, I think the guy was saying, Well, I don't know what the audiences <laughs> want. Um, but you do apparently. So oh,
3: okay. I think
0: that was more the feeling.
3: So he didn't necessarily change his opinion about the movie, but he changed his opinion on his value of his own opinion. Yeah. That make sense mm-hmm. at all? <laughs> he changed the weight of his own opinion, but his opinion itself didn't change. Right?
0: Yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, exactly.
3: That was better. Thank you. I did go to school. I did learn English.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, When it screened at the New York Film Festival, the scene in which Uma Thurman received an adrenaline shot to the heart was so intense that one audience member passed out. What? It turned out that she was just a diabetic and needed some sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. But, but, uh, but... You know, apparently, like, the screening was stopped and somebody was saying, like, somebody screamed, like, is there a doctor in the house? You know, that kind of thing.
3: Oh. <laughs> so she was
0: giving, like, some orange juice or something? I don't know. When all was said and done, Pulp Fiction became Miramax's biggest box office hit to date, to that date, grossing over $200 million worldwide on a budget of under $10 million.
3: Wow. They made some big bucks. It,
0: exactly, yeah. It was. Uh, it, it was a game changer for everybody in Hollywood. Roger Ebert, probably the most famous film critic in history. I, by the way, you, you guys can disagree with me on that. But I, I would I, – even if – I mean, I, I think it can be argued that he's the most famous film critic in history. Yeah. Um, he named Pulp Fiction the second greatest film of the 90s. And uh, I want to hear your guys' take on this. Uh, he and Martin Scorsese discussed how Pulp Fiction is not with morality. But, you know, Tarantino made an interesting point about how it's very Old Testament in terms of its morality and the stories that uh, he tells – For example, Vincent Vega chooses to to do the wrong thing, he's punished. Uh, Jules chooses to do the right thing in the end, he's rewarded. Butch chooses to take a second chance to do the right thing and saves Marcellus Wallace and is rewarded. So in that sense, it's kind of Old Testament. Thoughts? Yeah, Yeah, it's about redemption.
2: Yeah. What were you going to say, Max?
1: No, I was going to say exactly that.
2: Oh, you're going to say... (laughs)
0: <laughs> no i was just
1: laughing at, at andrew's post that he was doing i thought it was very humorous
0: oh man oh man <laughs> this is a good podcast
2: <laughs> a lot of stuff to learn here
0: i i i'm doing my best guys no, no, right. no. i'm making fun of max totally... not you this is a totally personal story it has nothing to do with facts about the movie my aunt um, she, one of her favorite films of all time is Pulp Fiction. Uh, Mia, and, and I, I was confused because I didn't understand what she was talking about when I saw the movie. She was describing a scene in which, uh, Vincent Vega is interviewed by, Mar- by uh, Mia Wallace Uma with Thurman's character, and she's telling him that he's an Elvis man versus a Beatles man, it, like this whole monologue. And I was like, that's nowhere in the movie. And she said, yes, it is. It's in the movie. Um, And it turns out what happened, and I found that scene on the deleted scenes of of the bonus features. Turns out she doesn't own the movie. She watched it on TV, and they must have added deleted scenes into it to pad out the runtime so they could play on, like, Network or AMC. So anyway, that... teaches you
2: to watch the Blu-ray.
0: She doesn't have have a DVD or Blu-ray player.
2: Well, those deleted scenes, like, you got to see them, apparently. They're better than (laughs) the most memorable.
0: Uh, it is a good scene i'll i'll give her that
1: andrew i have a question for you real quick um like are there multiple versions of the film or is there just like just the theatrical cut or are there like different versions with deleted scenes or something
0: i think i think i have no official confirmation of this but i what i was talking about was like a tv edit where they put yeah put scenes from the deleted scenes back in in order to pad out the runtime
2: oh for advertisements
0: well, you also—I mean—there's so much explicit stuff in it that you kind of have to cut some stuff out, All right? For like for like network or cable TV, wow. basic cable, and so that's that's what I meant. Interesting, I mean, that's my theory. Uh, Thank you. If, if Quentin Tarantino's out there, uh, can you please confirm this? Thank you. He's listening right now. There's right. got
3: to be a difference because when I went to look this up um, to see how long it was going to be, so I could like you know plan out when I was going to watch it. On Google, it lists it as being 2 hours and 58 minutes, but when I rented it, it's like 2 hours and 34 minutes. Oh, really? So there's got to be another version or some some kind of, um, maybe they add the, all the deleted scenes and make it almost 3 hours long.
2: So yeah. Yeah, the version I watched on HBO Max was 2 hours 35, 34. Yeah. That's weird.
3: Yeah. What are Isn't they leaving funky? out? What the heck, Google. What the I heck? Google everything. <laughs>
0: Google is supposed to know everything, yeah.
2: Google is the pretentious service that watches the un- uncut version. <laughs> exactly
3: I did. Right. I did want to ask because of the intro to the movie. Out uh, defines what pulp is. Yeah. I want to know your guys's take on the name of the movie in relation to the content. Do you guys yeah, want
0: to go first? I was.
3: I? I told you I was a little uncertain at the end of it. So I want to. I want to hear the practiced brains' opinion.
0: I know what Tarantino meant, but you guys should go first.
2: Yeah, know. so when you drink pulp, like, it, not only does it give you more fiber, but it really adds to the consistency of your orange juice. And um, yeah, I, I agree that pulp is better.
0: You absolute ass of a man. Uh, <laughs> I
3: excuse was me? like, this is relation. Okay, well, is I it like the it. writing? <laughs> the and I love you for writing-
2: it. I'm confused. What are you talking
0: about? No. Tell us. Tell the audience. Uh, okay, so uh, there was this uh, thing back in the early 1900s called pulp novels. It was uh, pulp novels were printed on really bad paper, uh, like made out of like the pulpy part of trees, and so that's why they're called pulp. And they're like cost like ten cents or five cents a novel. And so, Pulp Fiction is kind of a play on that that title, that kind of title of novels. So that's why it's called
1: and oftentimes like they were kind of since they were so cheap they're also like kind of exploitative too right exactly and, yeah so which is ties into the movie even further
0: lord subject <laughs> matter in the novels yeah the n word <laughs> a
2: billion times
1: i actually wanted to ask you guys really quickly cuz like when i i don't know i saw that that scene you know i think it's a great scene overall but i i don't know i just i was kind of i was kind of cringing a little bit when he just kept saying it over and over again I don't know. How do you guys? Oh,
2: Quentin Tarantino.
1: Yeah, when he said it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was really absolutely.
1: Awkward and like Ugh.
2: dead okay. blank word storage. I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. Not like, what in the- my movie. Uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, come on, Junior. Just... Yeah.
2: yeah, that was awkward. It <laughs> seemed like an empty use of the uh, of the word. I got it when it when the, like the racist like rapist people were saying it. But, Mm -hmm. like, he says it a lot, and I don't really see the use. But apparently Samuel Jackson says it's okay, and he gives him a validated N-word pass. So we just got to take it. There's nothing wrong with it. I certainly cannot uh, uh, decipher whether or not the word is used better in uh, Pulp Fiction than uh, if a racist uses it. So
3: So I think I disagree with you. I understand where you're coming from in a real world setting because that's, like, there's huge you know standards to it and i would never you know embrace that in like a you know regular real world setting I, mean,
0: I don't think it's a i don't think the argument is should be oh tarantino has a past to use it versus he doesn't have a past to use it i think it's the fact that he's he it exists in reality and he's an artist and so i think an artist has a right to explore the dark part of reality i think it's a CD world that tarantino cd worlds that tarantino explores and they kind of need to be explored. I just think that uh, he's just exploring those subjects.
3: Yeah, I definitely think that you're right. And he's very purposeful with how he does it. Like, he, he does not exactly. just um, he's not just, uh, you know, uh, what's what's the word when you see a tagline that, oh, he's that clickbait version for movies. Right. You know? He's not like that at all. Everything seems very purposeful.
0: And by the way, I, I totally respect your guys' differing opinions, and I appreciate them. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough, Andrew. Yeah, fair enough. I
3: agree Then I agree.
0: Yeah. Do we have any more closing thoughts? I'm serious. I'm serious. Throw anything I think out right you know. now. Is a racist, and I hate him.
1: You're <laughs> out of ten.
0: The See, views I- and opinions of Garrett McDade and Max Hurley do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of independent Creo studios, its owners, uh, creators, or its affiliates. Thank you. That's true.
3: You prepped that <laughs> you, you knew you were going to have I, to use that At some point
0: <laughs> Garrett closing thoughts
2: Well um, I would certainly give this movie uh, An A I think um, The dialogue is probably The best Around I mean like in terms of just Like characters having conversations Obviously that's what this movie is known for And I can't name another movie That does it so well and I think in just in that respect it deserves at least an A. Um, aside from that, um, uh, I might even have to give it an A plus. The I, I was certainly my eyes were glued to the screen the entire time. And if even if you can't uh take away like the obvious themes that the movie uh is trying to throw at you because they're not obvious, um, the story in itself is, is very um it's addictive to watch. I feel like I could watch it again tomorrow. You know, even just cause the characters are so good. And like, you care about their plight and you, you care when they die, like the gunshots, like the deaths, they mean something. They're not just empty. Um, so that's what I think. Great movie. Max.
1: Oh God. I, I definitely, I basically pretty much agree with everything you said, Garrett. It's, it's a fantastic film with incredible writing. The characters, the acting is just, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, I I think I'd probably give it like a I think like a B plus. Definitely, it's great. Cool. Yeah, very very good film. Very good film. If you haven't seen it, yeah, watch it. Stop what you're doing. Just watch it. It's you know the the I think like the hype is uh, is justified. You know, it's it's
2: so why not uh, an a or an a plus like what what problems do you have with it
1: i just think like my my personal taste in film has really changed kind of drastically over these past few years and so while i definitely like appreciate basically like everything we've been talking about um except some parts um (laughs) i don't know i think like it, it didn't i didn't really feel super emotionally like attached to the characters i don't know I, I i loved them i loved watching them but like when when vincent vega gets you know gunned down by fucking bruce willis i literally felt nothing for him um i'm gonna be honest and so i i don't know it's just yeah i i, I don't know it's just my tastes have changed a little bit but i i still really like it so hence the b plus
0: my great my th- this is genuinely one of my favorite films of all time it's I mean, it's hard. You know, I'm a, I'm a film buff, so I have like a top 100. You know, this isn't like the top 50. You know, um, and *Hateful Eight is my favorite film of all time. So I I, I have a great respect for Tarantino's filmmaking. Um, *Pulp Fiction* is an amazing film. It's an amazing work of art, in my opinion. Garrett, what do you have to promote? This podcast,
2: <laughs> the Behind the Flits podcast. It's just it's just perfect. You know, I listen to every single episode. Uh, Is that uh, right? I have.
0: Oh good, um, thank you.
2: Yeah, I'm still working on that album. You know, maybe next time I'll have it uh, ready, and then I can, you know, we can drop a link in the description of the podcast or whatever. But nice. um.
3: Yeah. Well, what's the album, just in case not every you know people that don't listen to our old podcast.
2: Oh, it's gonna be called uh uh, <laughs> Tiny Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, All right yeah it's a little it's like a folk album um i have a lot of faith in it uh so yeah we'll, we'll see when it comes out thank you yeah
0: max what you got to promote
1: oh boy um i unfortunately do not have an album coming out soon maybe we'll we'll see maybe we'll see um you know, if, if you want, if you feel the need, you can check out Paper Lantern on YouTube. I, I know I I, uh, I hocked go. last time, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, so feel free if you want to sort of see what like I'm making, what Garrett and I are making. Um, and also, dear viewers, listeners, viewers and listeners, if you are not subscribed to Independent Creator Studios on YouTube.com, then you're not a true Andrew Gentile fan. You're not a true Behind the Flicks fan. So please go do that before anything else. Um, and, and that's it from me, Andrew. Thank you for having us on.
0: Listeners, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at independentcreatorstudios at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please write a review and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. We'd love to hear your feedback. Behind the Flicks was created by myself and Ariana. I research, wrote, and edited this episode. My name is Anna Gentile. This has been an Independent Career Studios production. All right. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Wait, where are you going? Where Round are you going?
2: Two. I'm turning off my heater. It's freaking it's 100 degrees in here. You... <sighs> I'm boiling.
3: Oh Garrett, oh, you need man. a checklist. <laughs> you need <to> check before. <laughs> Garrett,
2: <hopping> bingo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, all right.
3: Okay. Round two. I think
2: we're all good. We're all good, right? I'm sorry. That was that was my bad.